Wait a minute, I hear something. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Movie, and uh, I'm so glad that you love movies as much as I do. That way that I I know that you're, uh, that's the only reason you're here listening to this show, right? Because you want to hear about these movies, or maybe you want to hear my thoughts on them? I don't know. But anyways, I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you're listening, and we're moving on down the road. Speaking of that... This is going to be a fun one for sure. Uh, had another listener's request. Uh, he's more than a listener, but uh, my good friend R.J. McCready, which if you know him through podcasting, if you listen to a lot of those shows I've done, he and I were on Dude Looks Like the 80s together for a little bit, and uh, he sprouted off and did several of his own shows, namely uh, Bite Size Cinema, which really... I didn't even think about it, but I guess I kind of took that idea, and that's what this show is. So I'm kind of ripping RJ off. Uh, His show is much better than mine, by the way. But um, you can still find those at Legion Podcast, where everything is cool. That ought to be their slogan. Legion Podcast, where everything is cool. (laughs) And uh, that's, you know, proudly I'm a part of as well. But yeah, I mean, he's got a new show with Dan Bone, who was recently on the show. And uh, they've got Blame It on the Aliens together. So uh, he's out there doing a lot of stuff. But he asked that I cover, um, possibly, that's the real question about this movie. Is this the the greatest car chase movie ever made? And we're talking about 1971's Vanishing Point. Now, there is a, a late 90s remake they did of this. Because you know that's how things go in cycles, right? Whatever was cool 20 years ago is now cool again, and you try to rehash it and make it your own. Wasn't near as successful, without a doubt. It was a made-for-TV thing, and it had Viggo Mortensen in it, which everything I hear about that sounds good. I think I watched it when it came out. I need to revisit it just to see, because uh, all, th- all that stuff intrigues me again to want to check it out. But yes, quite possibly, this is the grandfather of them all. This is possibly the greatest car chase movie ever made. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. The the great thing about this movie, well, there's tons of great things about this movie, but what's great about it is there's still questions that are unanswered about things that are in this movie. There's a lot of symbolism in it. And uh, my buddy, Danny Bennett, that I do Hail Ming with, he always talked about when we were hanging out together, which I don't know if he even knew this movie existed. I'm sure he did, but probably didn't put it together. But he always talked about making a movie called Fight. And the whole movie be just an hour and, you know, 28 minutes long of this big battle between two people. And you get one mini flashback during that that explains why they're fighting, and that's it. Not really any dialogue, Just a flashback and a fight. This movie is kind of that formula. It's not a fight, but you are thrown into the action. You kind of see the uh, uh, 
a, a sample of the ending of the movie first. It's a quiet little desert town right inside the, the state line of California. And it's quiet on the streets. People are just waking up. Sleepy little town called Cisco. And uh, you get these bulldozers that are coming into town. And they sit right in the middle of the road and kind of put their blades together to make one huge barricade across the road. And then you see, off in the distance, lo and behold, what everybody knows about this movie uh, is the the 1970 Ghost White uh, Challenger, Dodge Challenger, RT, that, uh, that our hero is driving, right? And that's kind of your setup, right? I'm, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. This is such an awesome movie. Um, let's, uh, let's do a synopsis here, if I can find one. Here we go. It says, A Vietnam War hero, Kowalski, has become a pill-addicted driver for hire. Transporting a car from Colorado to California, he enlivens the journey by making a wager with his drug dealer. Uh, if the trip takes under 15 hours, Kowalski's uh, last amphetamine purchase is free. So that kind of sets you up, right? He's got 15 hours to make the car. So it's it's the Smokey and Bandit, Bandit Smokey and the Bandit formula, but just amped up a little bit because you know we're actually you know dealing with drugs here. So that's kind of your setup, and this is all told in flashbacks. All this synopsis, you you have no idea who this guy is. You see him driving the car. You see him drive into town. He sees the bulldozers. And for a second, it's like he turns around and goes back and stops in an area to rest and think about what's going on. And that sets you up for what happens in the rest of the movie. So there's that. Let's talk about our cast for a second. We got Barry Newman as Kowalski. Um, again, legendary character. You, you've got a lot of kind of one-timers here or people that's been in some other movies that's not that significant, but for uh, some of us horror fans, B-movie fans, there's a, a, a truckload of people to bring up here. We got Cleavon Little first, right? Cleavon Little, uh, you probably know him from Blazing Saddles. Uh, he was a TV personality, uh, gone way too soon, took his own life at an early age. Uh, up-and-coming actor. He plays Super Soul in this movie. He's the DJ of a radio station in this little town of Cisco, and uh, which is called KOW. So there you go. We even got a little set up there. Cow. <laughs> uh, and he really makes this movie work, right? His character. We got Charlotte Rampling in this. Very young uh, she's a hitchhiker that gets picked up. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Charlotte Rampling is in one of my favorite bad movies, Orca the Killer Whale. Right? Uh, she's got a she's got very stark features. You, you you don't you don't confuse her with somebody else. If you were going to, um, she kind of looks like well, she she's she's got a little Meg Foster kind of going on, but looks totally different than Meg Foster. She don't have those stark of eyes, but she definitely has these features that really stand out. So, uh, you've got that. We have got Robert Donner in this. For all of you, uh, 
horror fans, for all you Friday the 13th fans, for all of you, uh, well, not Friday the 13th. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. He did a spoof on Friday the 13th. That's right. Uh, Robert Donner was on Mork for Mork, or Mork and Mindy, for a long time as, uh, <laughs> I can't remember his character's name. Was it Zed? From an, he's, you know, a human that thinks he's an alien and all that kind of stuff. Crazy guy. Been in a ton of stuff, right? Uh, he was in a, a horror spoof movie called Hysterical, which I want to cover on this show. And, uh, that's the Hanson Brothers. I'll get into all of that when we do that movie. But this guy plays the character that's the, uh, you're doomed guy, right? So he's kind of spoofing the whole Friday the 13th guy. We've got Paul Coslow in this. That guy has been in everything. Um, German actor, been a lot of stuff. Uh, can't think of anything right off the top of my head. I think he's in Burn Offerings, uh, Extra. He's in, he's in several things. We've got uh, Severin Darden in this. Severin Darden plays Jehovah. Yeah, Jehovah. There you go. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. Now, he, when I think of this guy, <laughs> I think of Naked Gun Two and a Half. He's the guy in the wheelchair that's got, <laughs> that's the scientist that's got the tattoo of Whistler's mother's on on his on his butt cheek. <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of him. We got John Amos, y'all. Uh, John Amos, right? The guy from Beastmaster. You know, if you know him from. Uh, from a horror sci-fi fantasy world. I know him as James Evans from Good Times, right? The classic TV show. I, I, you, I grew up scared of this guy, right? Because when he turned it on and became the father and had to take care of business, he was very, very convincing. Uh, I just always had a soft spot for him. We got Anthony James in this. Anthony James was also in some of the Naked Gun movies. Um, very recognizable features, kind of a creepy looking dude. He's one of the hitchhikers in this movie. And uh, again, we can go on and on. There's there's quite a big cast here. Um, Rita Coolidge is in this. Uh, Bonnie Bromlett. I mean, we got some people that are le legit singers that are in this movie because there's a something that happens in this movie that you, you have to have singers. So I'll try to remember to talk about all that. I'm 10 minutes in, I ain't got to the movie yet, y'all. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this one. A guy's delivering a car, and while he's driving, he's speeding, and a couple of motorcycle cops try to pull him over, and he avoids them, ends up making one of them crash, and when that happens, we get a flashback of Kowalski being a motorcycle racer, like on a track kind of thing having a crash, getting back up, getting back in the race. So it's letting you know that this guy has a background in driving and uh, knows what, what it takes to, to deal with these crashes and stuff. And what I like about Kowalski's character, too, is he always stops to make sure that whoever's running off the road is okay. <laughs> but because of this, they, uh, they report him in, and now it becomes a chase, right? So now you got cops everywhere chasing him and when he gets to state lines they have to stop and pass it on to the next you know series of, of troopers to chase him down and this is kind of ongoing now during his trip um, you know he, he's gonna run into a guy that's got a 
kind of a stripped down Jaguar race car, right? It's like a 60s model. And comes up to him, wants to race, right? And he even starts nudging, you know, Kowalski's car, the, the, the Challenger. You're like, man, don't mess that car up. And uh, they get in this big road rage kind of race. And uh, it ends with... <laughs> A spectacular crash of the Jaguar. It flips off the top of a bridge, lands off in some water underneath, and again he stops to make sure that the guy's okay. And while this is going on, the APB goes out, and our radio DJ, who's hosting the show, Super Soul, he's a blind guy, and he's got his own radio show, and James Amos works with him, and he's like, hey man, here's some news coming through, here's what's going on. So they get news about the police are starting to chase this guy. And out of this builds a legend, right, of this guy being chased by the cops. We really don't have anything that they're really after him for, except that he run a cop off the road, which is, you know, a misdemeanor. But it builds, right? And they keep trying to find other reasons to, to crack down on this guy. And when they start pulling up his information, they find that this guy was a war hero uh, who was against the war. He became a cop. And he saw the bad side of being a cop and the way that people use, you know, the authority for the wrong reasons. So he kind of turned his back on that. He became a professional race car driver. He became a professional motorcycle driver. Always had crashes. So this is just where it leads to what he's doing for a living now. And all, all this is in flashback, which is brilliant. Um, so he's running from the law. And he gets to a point to where they've set up a massive roadblock. And he starts, he, he takes a detour and starts driving across the desert to get to California. And uh, he kind of gets turned around, gets lost, has a blowout, has to fix his tire. Again, the clock is ticking. He needs to get to where he needs to get to. And when he goes to, after he changes the tire, he goes to put the stuff back in the back of the car. And there you see a rattlesnake that's about to bite him. And this guy shows up and says, hold on, I'll take care of it. And this guy is a snake round, rounder, rambler, or what do you call, catcher. <laughs> and he catches the snake, puts it in a box, and says, my truck broke down, I'm stuck out here. He's like, oh, what do you do with these snakes? Well, he sells them, and that's how he gets his supplies, right? We still got a very late 60s, early 70s, well, it is early 70s, uh, hippie mentality going on. This movie really is kind of the farewell of the of the hippie movement. It really is, because there's a lot of stuff in here that's basically issuing it out as it goes along. Because everybody he runs into that's supportive of him, or more on the hippie side, right? And they're willing to do whatever they can to help him out. But, you know, from there on, you're getting into more of the, the me generation, right? So, uh, again, that's that's why this movie has so many talking points. There's so much that goes on in it. Um, and again, the radio show starts getting big and popular and, uh, people are tuning in, but he's also sending a message out directly to Kowalski while he's driving over the airwaves to let him know, Hey, cops are here. They're waiting for you here. They're waiting for you there. Well, the, the sheriff and everybody from this place, which again, you got more cops, more car crashes, and, uh, it just gets more heated as it goes along. The sheriff decides they're going to go shut down the radio station. So they go in there, and they're very abusive. And uh, 
scream a lot of slurs, you know, that shouldn't be used nowadays. And, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it kind of sets you back a little bit, right? Because it's a lot more aggressive than it should be. But it's kind of making a point of the times again. And so they kind of take over the station. They start telling him what he can say, what he can't say, all that kind of stuff. But he's still trying to get the message out. And uh, there's also a scene where there's a, a couple of guys that have their car broke down on the side of the road and they're pushing a the car off the road. Kowalski stops and picks them up. And it, it's, a, it's a couple of gay guys that apparently just got married, supposedly. That's what it says on the car. You don't see that until they... When they stop, when he stops to pick them up, you you can tell they're a little, for lack of a better term, you know, a little sweet, you know, just the way they carry themselves. But uh, they push the car off on the side of the road, and on the back it says "just married." They get in the car and they're taking off down the road, and they end up trying to 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 uh, rob Kowalski, and of course he's just kind of like, man, come on. As, as many cops and everything I got after me, the last thing I need is this. So he ends up <laughs> not really roughing them up, but he, he knocks them out of the car and keeps on driving and just leaves them stranded again. Well, they get picked up by the cops, and they give the story, which adds even more problems to what Kowalski's dealing with. So that's just something I left out a little bit earlier. But all this adds up, right? But there again, there's this, there's this symbolism, right? The white car, you know, it's almost like chasing the white ghost, right? And then we get where he gets the snake handler and he gets him to drive him to an area to where there's a, a, a tent service. Now, what, what a tent service is, I know because I grew up going to not really some like this because they've really far-fetched this one where they're snake handling and all that stuff in churches. I never went to anything like that. But we did have tent services where you had church out in an open location so it was open to everybody to just come and be a part of. And that's kind of what this is, except they're kind of doing it out in the middle of a desert, which is, again, kind of strange. And uh, you got Jehovah, who's the leader, right, of the church. And again, Jehovah. So we're looking at, you know, the symbolism of here's the here's the righteousness of what's going on. We got the white ghost. Here's the, the good part. Here's, uh, you know, um, somebody that is letting you know that there is good in the world. You kind of got that kind of symbolism going on. Uh, Kowalski leaves from there. Again, the, the news reports and everything, all the news stations and stuff are now coming to the radio station and making Super Soul an even bigger thing. And he's like, this is not what I want. You know, this is this is not why I'm doing this, to get more listeners. That's totally not what I'm doing. Matter of fact, he even makes a, a statement of the blind leading the blind with all this, right? They don't really get what this is all about. This is, uh, you know, even though this the Kowalski has a kind of checkered past, he paid the consequences because of his judgment of trying to do the right things. And yeah, he's in a rough spot in his life. But at the same time, everybody looks at him as like, for lack of a better idea, he's kind of the Ferris Bueller of the time, right? Everybody thinks he's, you know, the righteous dude, right? And, uh, you get to where uh, he's he's driving along, and he, in the middle of the night, he sees a woman on the side of the road dressed all in black, picks her up, and uh, she's like, I've been waiting for you for a long time. 
And, you know, this could be questionable of, of it being, you know, is this a fan? Somebody that, that just likes him? Um, and they end up, I'm going to say, smoking some pot together. That's just what I'm assuming that's what they're doing. He pulls over on the side of the road and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm too stoned to drive. I need to rest for a while. Well, he goes to sleep and he wakes up and she's gone. Now, when you get into the circles of what this movie is all about, a lot of people think this is death. She is death. And that's the reason she's saying, I've been waiting for you a long time. Our paths have finally crossed. This is inevitable. It was supposed to happen. So it's a little foreshadowing of, of what's to come, right? Death has been waiting for him to come along. This is the appointed time. So uh, before that, we get a problem where he can't get across the state line because there's another roadblock. He runs to this guy on a chopper who's called Angel. Huh. So again, we're getting back into good and bad, uh, light and dark, life and death. It's really tying all these things together and all the symbolism. Well, this guy decides he's going to help him, and he's like, hey, is there anything you need? I mean, they're talking while they're driving down the road because he knows that he's heading right for some more cops. He said, if you got any speed, so, so he's needing another fix, I guess. Yeah, man, come back with me about two, two miles back. Well, they go back to his place and uh, gets him some speed, and he says, hey, there's a bunch of cops down the road. I've got an idea, stick here. And while he's waiting there, this girl just shows up on a motorcycle. She's riding out in the desert, butt naked, and got a stitch of clothes on, and pulls up and starts talking to him. And she kind of fancies him because, again, the legend has grown about this guy. And she even asks, you know, is there anything I can do for you? And he's like, no. She says, do you not fancy me? He's like, well, yeah, obviously I do, but I ain't got that kind of time, baby. Clock is ticking. <laughs> right? And, uh, but Angel shows back up. But, again, the, the naked girl, not only does she know who he is, but she's got almost like a little banner that she's made that's got newspaper clippings and stuff from him when he was a, a cop that turned his back on the force and all this stuff showing that he was a hero. So all this stuff is captured to show, again, that this thing has grown and grown into this legend and he's just a dude driving a car, right? The past is the past. Well, this all comes down to Angel helping him get past this barricade, which is a pretty cool idea of what they do. I won't give it away. I want you to check it out. When he gets through and he gets to the town, this is the, the big decision point, right? He's, he's finally making it to the state he's supposed to get to, to where he needs to deliver the car. And when he gets there, there's this huge roadblock with these bulldozers. They've set up. They wait on him. CBS News is there just to see what happens. And I'm just going to leave it right there. Because there will be questions that you need to answer for yourself afterwards. So I highly encourage you to check this movie out. Going back to the original question, is this the greatest car chase movie of all time? I think, yeah. I think it is, because it's much more than just a car chase, right? Um, it really makes you think about how deep the story really goes 
and what all the symbolism is. There's some incredible wide shots of just beautiful scenery, even though it's just desert. It's still pretty breathtaking. Uh, great 70s cinema, which you know is my thing. That is my thing. I love the 70s cinema. There's nothing else like it. And uh, we also got a closing song that happens here that's by Kim Carnes, right? Betty Davis Eyes. Kind of an early career song for her. Uh, just something else to throw in there. Um, it's not on Tubi, but this movie you can find anywhere, right? Besides Tubi. Um, it is an absolute classic. It is a, for me, a five out of five. It's just, it's a classic. Absolute classic. Um, if you remember, the Audio Slave did a video where they're riding in the car, and it is all scenes from this movie, right? Um, you've got Death Proof from uh, Tarantino, which is a total salute to this movie. Matter of fact, they have a, the second car that's in the movie is, is this car. It's modeled after this car, right? So it is a heavy, influential movie, uh, bonafide classic if, if you're a movie lover by any degree, this is one you have to see. It has to be in your collection. So, can't recommend it enough. You need to check it out. RJ, excellent pick. Uh, I, I'm, uh, that, it's that thing of you and I kind of being on that same wavelength. Being that I did all the Smokey and the Bandit ripoff movies, and I did some of the trucker movies and the car chase movies. This one's right there as, like I said, the, the top-notch pinnacle of all these flicks. Is there some other ones? Sure, man. You have to throw Bullet in there, right, with some great scenes. But this one's different because it is all about the car chase, which became the phenomenon throughout the rest of the 70s. This one did it first, and it made this car legendary to this day. I still want a, char a Challenger. I'd take a Charger, too, but I'd rather have a Challenger, right? So there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure you check this one out. You won't be disappointed. And let me know what you think about this one. Also, if you've got questions about what happens in it, there's a lot of documentaries and stuff on YouTube you can look up. Uh, this, this movie's pretty deep, even though the subject doesn't seem like it goes there. So, uh, great film, y'all. All right, folks, that's it for this one. We will check you later. Dr. 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 Dr.